combat time! Hello, and welcome to Combat Time, where three friends talk about anything and everything related to Mortal Kombat. And today, I am joined by Yasin. Hello. Josh. Hello. And our returning special guest today, Elliot. Hello. These are very, very special guests at this point. (laughs) Yep. And today, we are all going to be talking about possibly the best, worst, destroy-all-expectations movie ever made... Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but first, we have a new segment today where we will be talking about new news coming out about Mortal Kombat called State of the Realm. One of the things with State of the Realm that we're going to try and do is, of course, like we just said, we're going to try and talk about anything and everything related to MK News. And just recently, what has been made prevalent to you know the greatness of the internet is that a new animated Mortal Kombat movie is going to be coming out. I believe the date is August 31st uh, of this yep. year called Battle of the Realms. It is a direct sequel to the last Mortal Kombat animated movie, uh, Scorpion's Revenge. It has the same animation studio, the same... Uh, most of the cast is coming back to appraise the roles. In fact, I think all of them are. And the protagonist of this movie is going to be Liu Kang as he battles Shao Kahn for the fate of all the realms. Casa Casa Bla. As it should be. I <laughs> feel they're making up be. for Scorpion's Revenge or that. <laughs> yeah, or because... Because... Yeah, because, like, Scorpion is, like, Mr. Like main character, Mr. Anti-Hero, Mr. My Family, dude. Over sure. here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, but admittedly, I'm happy that Liu Kang will be coming back as the protagonist of the show or the or the game or the movie or whatever, because it's as it should be. That's, a, that's how it needs to be. Um, and also, uh, with that uh, and other fun news, there is going to be... Uh, NetherRealms has announced on their Twitter, I think last time I checked it was on their Twitter, that Mortal yep. Kombat 11 as a game is officially just done. In other words, they are now moving on to a new game. It just means that Mortal Kombat 11 will not have any further DLC content coming out in the near future. Nether Realms has officially moved on to presumably their next game of the franchise, Mortal Kombat 12. We don't have any information on that as of yet. We just know that Nether Realms has now officially moved on from it. I have the tweet here if you want me to. I'll read it like sure. real quick. It's like very short. NetherRealm is now focusing on the next project, and after more than two years of supporting Mortal Kombat 11, DLC for the game, including characters, has come to an end. It's a really awkward tweet, like, <laughs> word of tweet, I think. But, uh, I mean, the thing is, the next project, it could be Mortal Kombat 12, it could be Injustice 3. It it's could be something... going to be Injustice. Yeah, I mean, they've been, you know, alternating between those two franchises. But I've also, like, seen weird things where, like, Ed Boon will ask random things on Twitter or like suggest things where it's like, is he working on something related to a different property? Like you can, I can't really tell, but I mean, yeah. Well, did you guys hear about Mortal Kombat evolved? It's the halo Mortal Kombat crossover. (laughs) I did not, I did not Elliot. Tell me more about this. What is like, what is the premise and who are the cast of characters? And 
you know, what is the ideal setting of the game? Do I want to make this joke go longer than it should have Then immediately call your bullshit the second. Yeah. <laughs> See, what you should have done is that you should have powered through and then just be like, oh, it takes place this Master Chief and Scorpion like team up and, you know, they basically have Katana. She's with them too and they go around and they kill people that have been infected by the flood and all this other fun oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Cortana and Katana become like, yes. merged into one character. Yes, they do. Oh, it's like, it's like when uh, Marvel and DC merged and they had like those amalgam comics where it's like Kitana and Cortana and then you have Master Chief and would it be Master Scorpion? Master <laughs> Scorpion? I don't know. He'd be like Jax or Cyborg or something. I don't know. I could see Jax, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if a Mortal Kombat first person shooter? That hasn't been done yet. And, you know, we got shooter Why? characters now. Why not? We got Aaron Black, we have Striker, we have Cassie, they all use guns. Fucking makes do you think Mortal Kombat will ever do a VR game? Uh, I would love that. That would be actually. wonderful. Like, I mean, they already have uh, like Double Dragon inspired VR like bar fight games, and they have yeah. a free game do and another boxing game. VR and see if my walls is still yeah. standing I mean, after it's it, over. It'd it have Man. to just be punches because if you try to incorporate kicks, you're going to get a lot of broken lamps. But uh, how, <laughs> how would how would that mess with your psyche? Having someone like rip your head off. Oh, in I don't VR, know. yeah, that would be a little fucked up. Yeah, that's hilarious. I don't know. I mean, it also getting... mess with like your motion sickness if your head gets detached from your body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna be going into we're gonna be going into like dot hack territory with that. Like, if you die right. in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> oh no, this isn't oh, a Resident Evil podcast, but I will say I am quite excited uh, that Resident Evil Four is getting a VR version on Oculus Quest. Ooh, that's interesting. Really? Actually. Yeah, and it shows you can handle the weapons, and you can even type on the typewriter to save your progress. And you know, I've never bought a single report of RE4. I still have a GameCube version. You know, I refuse to buy a single other version because I already fucking have it. But it's like, I'd go for that one because that sounds mm. cool. Anyway, was, I thought this was state of the realm, not state. Well, of the that's realm. I was I was getting right. ready to say, Josh, you also have news <laughs> that you want to share for state of the realm today. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, okay, besides, yeah, the uh, the new, like, as this episode releases, everyone already will, of course, know about these things, uh, but, you know, and, and, of course, there's been tons of reaction videos, including you've seen the one you did uh, with Neil over at MK PodQuest and others yep. uh, talking about, uh, you guys noticed some things I didn't notice, too, in the trailer. Uh, can't remember them now. <laughs> oh, from before the... Uh... Uh, for Battle of the Realm. Yeah, Um, for Battle of the Realm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we're, like, sort of dissecting. If you want to go over to, like, uh, Next Issue podcast on YouTube, you can see our reaction to it. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that were, you know, we were trying to figure out, like, because there's a lot of characters in it, and there was some, you know, a lot of the cyborgs, cyborg ninjas, and stuff like that, and we're trying to figure out who's who, and, like, who's killing who, and all that kind of stuff. I know Jay wanted me to go into my thing, but I wanted to mention real quick, because one of the things that you guys all seem confused on is why younger Sub-Zero is dressed apparently in gray. We, uh, we were, yeah, we were kind of wondering about that, but... I have the answer to that. Why? By my own, like, already pre-established knowledge. Uh, so, uh, Kwai Lang, the younger Sub-Zero, when he comes, you know, to find who killed his older brother, uh, he doesn't adapt the mantle of Sub-Zero until, you know, he solves that issue so in uh, that scene as he confronts scorpion he's probably just a 
blank default Lin Kuei Ninja, and after he settles all that, he probably takes up the mantle and dons the blue. Uh, that's that's my theory. That's that's what makes more sense to me. That does but, uh, make sense. Yeah. So pass that pass that in revelation along. Um, besides that, though, yeah, uh, we got uh, besides those two things, we got Combat League going on. Despite MK11 ending support as of like now, uh, there is a Combat League session going on, and I'd like to find out like are there going to be more Combat Leagues, or is this the last one? I have a feeling there's going to be more because it's probably no effort going into just like setting up the next tournament and you know creating bullshit awards for you to win because it's like i'm excited to play in it but i'm not too excited about the skins that are available for this one uh if i can get this one rank then i can get enough you know hearts to buy shit in the crypt that i don't need and then you know (laughs) it's all it's all pointless but it's fun to play uh i I never thought you'd be the one that gets sucked into uh the league he's becoming a mortal Kombat fashion designer (laughs) what (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm addicted to getting, you know, new skins and customizing. But, like, uh, I was scared to join it because, like, I was just playing casual matches. And I'm like, oh, man, this is where the big boys play. But then I figured, fuck, I'll start it. And, uh, oh, wow, yeah, there's so many tiers that, you know, you start off and, like, I'm fighting. I'm either fighting somebody I'm incredibly overmatched for or I'm fighting somebody that incredibly is overmatched to me. Uh, I I do want to make a shout-out, though. Uh, This wasn't a Combat League fight, but shout-out to... uh, Nintendo Online user Tony, or Tone, it's T-O-N-E. Uh, we had a great back-and-forth match. Uh, in a Nintendo Online, you don't really do the voice chat thing unless you have the phone app, so it's like most of the time there's nonverbal communication going on, but there was some mutual respect going on between the two of us. And, bro, I don't know if you listen to this podcast, but you were a joy to fight. Uh, he, he, he had me for a good while, and then I turned it around, and I finally I, I figured out his tricks and kind of trounced him a bit, and then he returned the favor, and it was a very good back-and-forth, evenly matched fight. I will go ahead and say that if you get get stabbed in the chest by Scorpion Spear and Scorpion says, get over here, that's a bonding moment, man. That's like the best bro hug moment ever. I can can relate to it. He didn't let me do that. That's, that's, you know, anybody worth their salt is not going to fall for a spear. They're going to (laughs) know that Scorpion's going to spam it. You just didn't bond with him enough. I almost got... MK11 for a Switch just so I could fight you in it. Oh, man. Well, we'll, we'll be getting together soon enough Yeah, at Jay's, hopefully. All right. And with that, that is the end of our first uh, State of the Realm. State of the Realm. Okay. <laughs> going to be an echo. Yep. And there's going to be Josh's echo. It's just going to be like State of the Realm. Or something like that. <laughs> Okay, now we can talk about this like travesty of a film that we all love. I don't know. How what dare you call it travesty? About? Yeah, what the heck? I was told that this is a podcast about the high art of film. Yes, That's of what course. I came here for. And you You've know, only been here be for stated. higher. Elliot yeah. said within 15 minutes of this film, was it, wow, this is better than Mortal Kombat 1? <laughs> I, did change, did. I did change my mind by the end of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> so did I. <laughs> Which is a good thing, thank God, because, man, like. I, I have per, I have also personal reasons for hating this film because Yasin will never stop trolling me with the Johnny Cage gets killed um, <laughs> gif. Spoilers for anybody who's listening to this that just so happens. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Hey, there could be some new fans that are really looking forward to seeing Johnny Cage and his new adventures, and then oh, oh. <laughs> Imagine if Lyndon Ashby was on there 
get Neil that would actually these. make it hurt more. I mean, that would be them. such a ballsy move. I and mean, that's why Indolin and Ashby didn't <laughs> reprise his role because he read the yeah. script. He's like, seriously. But man, imagine. It's like, you know, it's one of those subversion of expectations. We're going to take the, you know, the, the, the most relatable character, the lovable yeah. character, and just kill like, Newton Hicks. Newton Hicks. <laughs> All over again. Whoever that is. From Alien. Oh, oh, yeah. They Well, they did kill him. <laughs> yeah, that's Alien it. 3, yeah. And then they killed it's Little Newton. Yeah. yeah. Good. But you know what? Alien 3 was the better for that because it shows no one's safe. Dead silence. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, I actually don't have anything against Alien 3. I actually like it's Alien just, 3. I watched it's, the... It's enjo- We're not talking about Alien. We are, because I watched the assembly cut a couple years ago, and I, okay. I had been to it. see. I quite liked it. It was pretty good. <laughs> it's good if you don't watch it right after Aliens. Give yeah. yourself a couple months and then go watch Alien 3. It's yeah. a good movie. Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, a brief background of Mortal Kombat, Annihilation. Uh, second movie in the, you know, Kasanoff Mortal Kombat universe, I guess. Uh, came out on November 21st, 1997. Uh, with a budget of $30 million, which is a lot more than the original movie had. Yeah, uh, it's like you would assume this movie had a lower budget, but it in fact had a quite large one. And the box office of $51.3 million, which I believe is a lot less than the original one. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. Still profit. Wasn't a flop. Well, I yeah, mean, also, there's, well, well, there's also marketing. I, I don't know how much the marketing costs for it were, so maybe it wasn't as profitable. Well, I think that it's it might have been profitable, but I think definitely the critical reception killed any chances. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, in the age of Transformers, it's amazing. But yeah, this this is one of those movies like, how the fuck did this get in theaters? Would this movie be considered um, a career killer for Robin Shu? I absolutely consider it a career because, like, yeah, I have no, I have no idea what he was in. You ever see uh, Beverly Hills Ninja with uh, Chris Farley? Nope. He did that hot off of Mortal Kombat, and that's kind of like the thing you do. You're a big action star, and you do the comedy thing. It was a funny movie. Just Chris Farley, he's like a ninja, and and Robin Shu is like his straight man, and it was a fun movie. And you know that was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. It was like one of those types of movies, and like. Yeah, if, if Annihilation had been as big and epic and the perfect sequel as they hoped it would be, like, Robin Shu could have been our next Jet Li. Robin Shu's hair was also really good in that movie, too. His like, hair was, was fantastic. Yes, his hair was I mean, the his, his hair is never movie. not good, though. <laughs> well, you <laughs> told us how he shaved it <laughs> recently. True. It's still great. Still yeah, it's still great, it, though. Still it, it's good. okay. It's okay. He shaved it, but that power yeah. is still there. It's lingering. Yeah. It's laying dormant. The hair that he cut... Like just went off and like created like its own entity. Oh my yes, God. it did. That's a movie right there. <laughs> it wouldn't be a combat time podcast if we didn't mention Robin Shu's hair at least once. Yes, yeah. and I hope he's our... not self conscious yeah. about it. But man, dude. I wonder how much money you could buy Robin Shu's hair for. Like a like, lock of it. What would it cost to get like a wig made from his real hair? Yeah, dude. If he's hurting for money, that's all he's got to do. Just cut a lock off, dude. Yeah, once a year you can sell like a multi million dollar wig. <laughs> All of a sudden, like, he's yeah. going to buy, like, his third or fourth home and be like, well, here goes some more hair. Let me buy that third or fourth <laughs> home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, speaking of Robin Shu, he is one of two actors who actually came back from the sequel. It's basically him and Talisa Soto as Kitana, the only two people who came back. Who I will note, uh, 
Talisa Soto, we talked fuck all about uh, on our previous. Uh, we really did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we skipped a lot because we noted that we didn't talk about Carrie Dugawa until like the last third of the episode, and maybe it's just because she's kind of a she's kind of background character. She's not really a fighter. She has one fight, but it's kind of a kid gloves fight, and it's just to get exposition out. Uh, but but she's not a bad actress, uh, and she's not really she hadn't done a lot. Uh, I don't think Mortal Kombat Annihilation necessarily killed her career, but she didn't do a whole lot after that, except for randomly showing up in a X versus Sever. X versus Sever? Yes, I don't know why. I don't know what part she plays, but she showed up in that. Uh, but like, I knew her before because she was she was a Bond girl. She was in a uh, License to Kill. Uh, yeah, Timothy Dalton Bond, uh, along with Carrie Tagawa, I believe. I think he was in that movie. But I don't yeah, he wasn't. He was like one of the yeah. bad guys, I think. Yeah. One of like the minor oh, bad guys, like a gang of people. I haven't seen that one in forever. That one's like of the two Timothy Dalton Bonds. That one's like the you know one I sleep through. Unfortunately, um, though, for like the character of Katana, like one thing I just sort of just remember after watching it again is that you know she has that one fight with the kid gloves on. You know we get to see her fans because it's just like the game. It's just like the game. Yeah, yeah, and then afterwards. You know, here comes Scorpion, suckers, and then she becomes a damsel in distress, like basically through the rest of the movie. And I'm just like, didn't we do this with Sonya in the last movie? But it happened yeah, towards the wow, end. Yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, a little forgivable. But in Katana, it's like, nope, she's a damsel in distress through, I think, through mostly half this movie. She's, she's in the a cage damsel in distress, but she still, you know, she gets to fight at the end, despite the fact that she she fights against the Sindel actress and neither of them are martial artists. So it's kind of a, a boring fight. Uh, yeah. And she's got some spunk. She spits on Shao Kahn. The best thing uh, that the Sindel actress who, who, actually did is that she, man, she mastered that twirl. She mastered that twirl big time. Oh, God, mastered the twirl. Is oh, that yeah. which one was that? Uh, the, I think Jay's being facetious because that's where she just like twirls around just yeah. slowly. <laughs> she's, the, she's the character who plays Kitana's mother, who has the long hair. Oh yeah, screen. the hot mom. The hot yeah, mom, yeah. She is definitely the hot mom. That was a shot where she should have been like cg altered where she spun really fast but she just kind of yeah. twirls around like not even like a ballerina like somebody just man eh, i'm getting dizzy. i love all like the cheesy just like posing that the characters do in this movie like there's no one even near them and they're just like going through like poses yeah, yeah. pretty much it's it's great my absolute favorite scene without a doubt is the uh the meeting of all the villains where Shao Kahn is talking to all of his quote-unquote generals and they're all just having like the greatest ass-kissing contest ever for Shao Kahn's like orders they want to they basically want to follow his orders like he's handing out like food to starving children I mean like he's just throwing it out there and just how all of them are just ass-kissing him is just such an 80s cartoon set up Elliot questioned what was going on when that scene dropped in he's like wait where are we and and UJ were like this is the Council of Villains, Elliot. This is exactly what it is. Yeah, I, It took me a long time watching this movie before I realized that the main villain was Shao Kahn, because I thought he was so lame. Yeah, that mixed me up as a kid. Wait, you mean like because you didn't know who he was when you saw him in the next scene about his mask? Well, I, I remembered... You know, I remember that he was like the character from the previous movie because of the mask and all that kind of right, stuff, right. but like, I didn't get for a long time that he was like the big bad of the movie. Yeah, no, he's... Uh... He's entertaining, Brian Johnson, the actor. Of, or Brian, is it Brian Thompson? Brian Thompson. Brian, Brian Thompson, yeah. Uh, yep. Super entertaining, but yeah, Shao Kahn in the games, you know, he's just dominating. You're fucking scared of him. This guy, he's a fucking daddy's boy. He's 
It's hard to watch this movie and think that Kerry Tagawa's Shang Tsung answered to these goofballs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Because like, they're his boss. And that's the kind of the problem with this movie. One of, one of the many problems with this movie is that they introduce so many characters and it's hard to tell where they fit in the story and the hierarchy. Like, Oh, I know Elliot was probably confused as hell. Like, who's this robot ninja? <laughs> Yeah, right. it was just like a revolving door of let's introduce a character, we'll fight them for a bit, and then someone will die, and then we'll move on. And apparently, right. that was their goal is like to like you know, Mortal Kombat was such a success; it was loyal to the lore, and they kind of wanted to before like you know, uh, fan uh, like fandoms were sort of a target audience, like with like Marvel movies and shit like that, and like other properties. They really wanted to try and like just give a gift to the fans of the game, and it really hurt it because the fans of the game were just little kids. We didn't have you know full adult shit, you know, paying money for this shit. So it's like any normal person watching this is going to be confused. Absolutely, I mean, because they barely name any of the walk-on characters. Yeah, I was generally quite bewildered watching it, which is part of why when the movie started, I was like, I like this better than the first one, because it was just like a, a constant barrage of what the what the hell is Admittedly, happening right now. Admittedly, it has a very strong first third, because like, there's a fight every 15 minutes, and they're admittedly very entertaining fights on top of that, and it's just like the movie does not slow down. Oh, well, I mean, we the, must address that Robin Shu was the fight coordinator, fight choreographer yeah. for all the fights in this movie. Yeah, the fights the fights were fun. I think the one with was it Cyborg or whatever the the yellow guy. Yeah, Cyrax. Cyrax yeah. yeah, yeah, Cyrax. Yeah, that was fun. The two with, like, best fights in my falling. opinion are that one, and then the previous one with Smoke, the other Cyborg versus Liu Kang and Katana fighting the ninjas. They are both mm. very kinetic and very fast. I enjoyed them. I definitely feel like. I definitely feel like the I definitely feel like the Cyrex fight is definitely the best, just because we get to see like Ak- Sonya actually fight. And I mean, granted, this is absolutely nothing against Bridget Wilson, but the actress who plays Sonya in this movie, I, I apologize, I forgot her name, but she's a way better fighter, and she feels like she's way more suited to the role of someone like Sonya versus Bridget Wilson. I will mark yeah. uh, that uh, in reading up on her. Uh, her name's Sandra Hess, by the way. I mentioned her in a previous episode because I yeah. love Sandra Hess. Um, she's great. Uh, Bridget Wilson definitely looked more like Sonya, like she has the Sonya look. Sandra Hess might not be as better an actor because she has some really awful delivery, and it might not be her fault. I think it's just the directors. Because we'll find out. People got promoted into positions that they probably weren't uh, suited for. Yeah. So the director was a first time director, and th- and there are a lot of bad line bad line readings in this movie. But Sandra Hess, I always assumed that she was better because she's an experienced martial artist. Turns out she's not. This is her first no, action role. Yeah. She just, I guess, was more like willing to to do the kicks, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was. She I was, seemed a little tougher. I was uh, looking at a panel that they did a few years ago about Mortal Kombat Annihilation. She said that. Uh, in her audition, like it was a scene where she comes in to get Jax out, mm-hmm. and in her audition, they just told her to like do the line or whatever. But she decided, you know, I'm gonna kick down the door. So she pretends like kick down the door, and I guess her kick was so impressive they called uh, Lawrence Kasanov down to this wherever they were doing the audition, so she she he could <laughs> watch the audition with them. It's like, just watch her know. kick again. I guess I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, but. I guess they were just so, impressed that she could actually throw a kick. I don't know. Sounds like they got a kick out of her audition. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> damn it. 
Well, nothing. I mean, actually, I think probably actually my second or third favorite fight in the film is uh, when Raiden was raiding the temple um, with his flips and kicks <laughs> that does nothing but doing flips and kicks. And there's the reptiles that are doing nothing but flips and kicks. And it's just a flip and kick and flip kick. Jay, test. seriously, that's your favorite fight? Or are you just being like silly? No, that no, that's my third favorite fight. My first favorite fight is the Cyrex fight. It's such yeah. an inconsequential fight. It's Raiden versus Putties. Um, it's really, it's and I really don't funny, do shit. It's funny that it's funny how little contact is being had in that yeah. fight. But um, man, well, are they throwing them roundhouses, them backflips, them cartwheels, them like everything? Like they're just going all over the place. It's like everybody's then, throwing kicks and no one's hitting anything. <laughs> and then Elliot comments, which is the thought of everybody watching the movie when it came out, is when you see Sindel already knocked out, and he's like, "What? They skip that fight?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Fucking also serious. worth uh, also worth pointing out that um, after Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Raiden uh, stopped training the Heroes of the Realm and went off to train a young uh, serial killer to train uh, oh, yes. other serial killers. Oh, Dexter, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot because I was going to talk about other things. That actor, James and Mark, I actually quite like him. Has been in, and yeah, I forgot he was in Dexter. He was also <laughs> in uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. That's mine. So and the last, the last thing I saw him in was in the CW show Black Lightning, which is a DC hero show. I think he's mm-hmm. like he's basically that character is like, uh, not Alfred, but more like Q, I guess, like Bond's mm-hmm. Q. Like he, he creates all the stuff to him or whatever. I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, cool. Raiden is he, uh, tinkering a little bit over that. He's kind I of feel a like uh, I was going to say, I feel like he's like a poor man's David Carradine. Yeah, he's kind of a poor yeah. man's Carradine. He's got a very memorable voice. And like my most memorable like comment about him was uh, in Roger Ebert's review of the Psycho remake, which I'd never seen, but apparently James Lamar plays the sheriff in that movie. And, you know, Ebert didn't like it that much, of course, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the review, he's got to drop in his usual, you know, smart-ass movie critic comment. And he's like, Movie was okay, but you know I generally like actors that don't have to have their voices, uh, you know, modulated by you know computers. And then there's a little asterisk and like an amendum, and he's like, "Oh, correction. Uh, turns out actor James Ramar uh, was actually using his real voice because <laughs> he does have such a distinctive voice. He does. He does. Uh, I would uh, say he was the also, best thing. Okay. Oh, I would say the best thing that I like about the his fight with the reptiles are are they called reptiles or are they called something else? Uh, they're supposed to be called like I think MK Conquest calls them raptors, but I don't right. think that mythology was established by this point. So right. yeah, the reptiles. So the be- best thing I like about that fight is that uh, Ray Park, who everybody knows from uh, Darth Maul, and more notably as Toad in the X Men movie, <laughs> but uh, he's doubling for James Ramar, and they don't tried to hide it at all. Like, you could clearly see Ray, Ray Park doing all those moves for Raiden. It's hilarious. I mean, how can you? It was before The Matrix Reloaded where they could, like, you know, face double Hugo Weaving onto all the stunt doubles for the Burly Brawl, you know. I mean, there's, cam- there's like, camera angles and stuff that you can do to, like, make it... Yeah, I guess. But yeah, you're so right. They didn't, they didn't hide it that much. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it does seem like with Annihilation, there was a certain point in the production of the movie. I know they didn't necessarily shoot it chronologically, but you could tell where like they spent more time on certain parts and where they just didn't care about other things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of different reasons for that. I mean, one, uh, the guy who directed it, John Leonetti, 
I think he he was the director of photography for Correct. the first movie, and mm. then they just they just you know sort of promoted him to be in director, and he never directed anything before. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of like the story of the whole movie is that the people first movie was so successful that they're like, all right, uh, and they they kind of like went into it too fast, and so like mm-hmm. Paul Anderson decided to do Event Horizon, so they're like, okay, if John Leonetti, you're it, and then his brother became the, the DP um, oh, in man. his place, and it's just like, they did that across the board, including, like, raising uh, Robin Shu to fight choreographer, which, you know, wasn't un- unworthy, because, you know, they were so impressed of the fights he choreographed in the first movie, but it's like, everybody got promoted. Yeah. And it was just, I think they, they bit off more than they could chew. <laughs> He's a. This movie has a two percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm sur- so that's, a, that's a little undeserving because I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised it's that high. <laughs> Shut up! Oh, wow. It looks like uh, it looks like the director later went on to do Annabelle. That's yes, I was going to mention that he did Annabelle. Uh, before that, he did Butterfly Effect Two, um, which is his first movie since Annihilation for a while because they like the TV stuff. But yeah, Annabelle, which I've not seen. I haven't seen any of the Conjuring. I saw this. I saw the sequel. It was good. I watched the uh, trailer for this, and like you know, I don't like ghost movies because they're all predictable and yada yada, and they tell too much. The last shot of it though kind of made me like, oh okay, Oof, it was a little creepy. Um, I might watch it just to see. Have you <laughs> have you seen Annabelle Elliot? Because I know you like. The I've, whole I've seen Annabelle shit. Creation, which I quite liked. The what? But I heard the first Annabelle was pretty bad, so I didn't watch that. One. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. At some point, I'll probably watch it when I'm just bored, but. It wasn't, like, high on my priority list. Also, Annabelle just creeped me out so much in the first Conjuring movie, I kind of didn't want to watch <laughs> another movie with it at the time. Fair enough. I guess, do, do we want to do, like, a very brief, like, rundown of, like, what the, what the story, quote-unquote story, of this movie is? Cause You're talking about just, the story uh, of the production or the story no, of the plot? Like, the plot. Yeah, so there's, like, this meteor that hits and <laughs> creates a bubble. Do we really need to? Because everybody knows. We really it's... don't. I guess we really don't, yeah. I mean, really, uh, <laughs> to anyone that's played the games, it's MK3, uh, which, Elliot, if you yeah. don't know, it's basically they took the MK3 storyline, which is Shao Kahn invades Earthrealm, and just did the, did it in movie form. Did it in and movie form, uh, yeah. It's kind of like a Resident Evil uh, Apocalypse, and where it borrowed from Resident Evil 3, superficially for both of them, without... Uh, not being loyal though to other parts, uh, which like yeah, Raiden being Shao Kahn's brother, Jade was done backwards, Scorpion was the villain instead of what he's usually. Yeah, it's just like Shao Kahn's father plays a pivotal role in this movie, and apparently it is his name. His his name his name is Shinnok, but they never really mention that it's Shinnok, even though Shinnok is the main villain in MK4. Yeah, is that the guy in the in the silly robe? Yeah, yes. the, okay, the old father. Um, yeah. yeah, like, Shinnok was a villain in MK4 who's not Shao Kahn's father and also looks nothing like that. And they never mention his name in the movie until the very end. And it's in such a quick line that's like, you have, I had no fucking clue. I just thought they made up a character for, to be Shao Kahn's father. Yeah. Hmm. Great actor. I like, I enjoyed him in the movie, but yeah. So do we like this movie? Or I, I do. Uh, now <laughs> okay. rewatching it for the umpteenth it's... time, I... I was saddened to learn that oh wow it really does kind of peter in the third act. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a guilty pleasure for me. Like I mm-hmm. I before the podcast I was like let me watch some of it. So I watched the first like 
half an hour of it, like just before the uh, Cyrax fight. And it's just so bad that it's enjoyable. Like, I love, like, looking and seeing, like, everything wrong with it, I guess. Like, when they first, like, invade from Outworld and, you know, all the ninjas and all the, like, bad guys show up and then the, the sky... Poses. This, huh? All the power poses. Yeah, and then the sky is, like, all kind of gray and you just see, like, these, like, uh... They, they, they gray out the, the... I mean, it's like a composite shot. So then all of the cloud effects are, like, pieced together to the point where you can see the seams between the different <laughs> effects. It's hilarious. I love it. And then the, yeah. the green screen, like, all the feathering around them, and just, it's so, it's weird. It, it's kind of wild that, like, there was, like, a trend, not really a trend, but, like, there was, like, this period in the 90s where I guess they were, like, trying to push CG mm-hmm. techniques when they didn't quite have them perfected. And it feels like such a step backwards for special effects because you watch like stuff from the eighties that has like much better compositing than that, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And, and like, it was like this movie and like spawn both kind of like reminded me a little Oof. bit of each other as far as yeah. just like bad, like it's, dirt looking CG. It's like an it's evolution like, uh, where they're, yeah. they're trying to, to defend spawn a little bit though. The, the fucking what <laughs> clown turns into the devastator or whatever. I thought he looked pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, there were some parts that were okay. Ebert apparently thought uh, Spawn was a special effects masterpiece. I mean, you know, for the time, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's one of the first movies that had fully CG human characters interacting with the monsters. Because, mm. uh, like, like the Devastator's, like, grabbing Cogliastro, or whatever the old man's name is, and, like, he's not, like, Spawn on the Spider-Man suit. He's, like, just got a human face, and they rendered him. So I yeah. guess that was a little unprecedented. Uh, also, it, it goes to... Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I still think uh, to comment on Yassine's uh, sort of review of the first scene of Annihilation, my favorite part was when the ninjas are sort of like falling down and they're not actually surrounding or running towards anything. They're they're not even moving. They're, they, are, they are moving, but they're not moving normally. They're ninja-ing. They're like they're flipping just, away. Yeah, flipping. Yeah, yeah. They're cartwheeling, they're kicking, they're dodging, and they're strafing from left to right, and that's how they're moving. They're not actually they're totally, walking towards they're anything. They're totally power-ranging it, uh, which are yep. two things I want to mention about the intro. One, uh, the MK1 intro, where Shang Tsung and Liu Kang's brother are standing off in like the same setting isn't that much different with its, like, you know, fucking matted in, churning mm-hmm. gray clouds. It's just that this one did it more, and it, it, it wears thin <laughs> and, and doesn't work. But also, uh, the, the all those ninjas flipping, I believe it's the one that does the fucking, like, hand-to-foot backflips over and over and over. You know the shot? Yeah. yeah. That's Tony Jaw. <laughs> oh. Because Tony oh, Jaw really? did, did, yeah, uh, you know, uh, stunt double for... Robin Shu, the reason he did that is because Robin Shu saw him during that scene and he was impressed. He's like, dude, I want that guy. And so, like, he basically requested him to stunt double him, like, for the rest of the movie. That's, yeah. I remember learning that he was the stunt double for Robin Shu. First, I was like, Robin Shu needs a stunt double? But then you look at it, it's like, well, yeah, he's probably the not the most acrobatic. He's a good fighter. He's a good martial artist, but I don't know if he's, like, a he does do a flip i've seen in the back uh you know the behind the scenes footage it granted it's a wire assisted flip but it still does do that you know backflip and stuff like that yeah yeah um from what i've i've seen in like you know i've tried to look a little bit into like 
I guess the making of it. I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but apparently they did like a test screening for New Line Cinema with, you know, effects that weren't finished yet. And New Line was just like, well, it's testing well. Uh, this is good enough. Just let it, you know, just release <laughs> it like this. So they never did another pass. Mistake. Mistake number one. Or probably that's, mistake number ten. Which, if that's true, if that's true. That's insane. I don't I know mean, how much that happens in Hollywood, there, but it's happened occasionally. Uh, what Godzilla? I, I mention Godzilla in every podcast. This is so embarrassing, but uh, <laughs> Godzilla '98, the Matthew Broderick one. Uh, that one didn't have test screenings, and oh, if they did, okay. it probably would have like solved some of the stupid shit. Because like Independence Day did have test screenings. And if you look at Independence Day, one of the things that was changed because of test screenings is that Randy Quaid, when he swoops in to save the day at the end, mm-hmm. he was supposed to be in his crop duster. Like, he doesn't get accepted on Wait. to, like, the... Yeah. Crop duster? Yeah, remember Randy Quaid's, like, a crop duster and a drunkard? And then at the end, he, he joins the, the force that fights the aliens at the end? Oh, Because uh, okay. he's a former pilot. Thinking... I thought you were talking about farting for a second. No, Jesus. <laughs> wow, yeah. No, actual crop dusting. But in, in the actual movie, he joins the force. But in like the original cut, he gets rejected because he's a fucking drunkard. And he comes in at the last minute in his crop duster with a missile strapped to it to save the day when everyone's out of missiles. And that's why it, even in the final movie, if you look, you see people in the military base reacting like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, you know which they shouldn't be reacting like that if he's already in the force like he is in the final cut. And that's because they changed it because the test audiences were like, that's stupid. And Mm. in in Godzilla 98, everyone thought the cab chase was stupid because here's this 200-foot giant monster and he can't catch a fucking cab. And, (laughs) you know, had they they test screen that, it happens. And usually when it happens, it's a mistake. (laughs) Mm, Right, right, right. I just, yeah, I don't know. They, this movie definitely needed like at least one more pass. Yeah, yeah. I think it needed a. It needed a crop dusting. <laughs> <laughs> it needed um, a Randy Quaid. Dude, uh, what part will Randy Quaid play? Uh, he played no, no. <laughs> Why am I laughing at that? You know what's no, funny? Dude. No, dude, watching, Randy played watching. Okay. Uh, watching like the the opening scenes or the the first few scenes today. I, I've watched this movie, I don't know, more than twenty times probably. I always forget that smoke is in this movie. How? That's I, like honestly, one of my favorite fights. I don't remember that he was in it either. Well, you don't know who smoke is, I'm assuming. But, but I've seen the movie. I don't remember a smoke. That's fight. when Katana and Liu Kang are getting ready to kiss, and then the big smoke comes up, and then a robot ninja comes out of the smoke. Yeah, don't and then they have that it. fucking hype ass <laughs> music. The hype-ass music? That was around the time where you said this is better than MK1. That's really funny, because that must have been like around the time that I changed my mind. Seriously? No, I think it changed. Really? That was one of the best fights, because all the ninjas come out, and that's when Katana uses her fans for the one and only time. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and there's some immediately, and then Sub-Zero comes in and saves the day. Wow. Nah, it's so bad. This fight. movie, okay, we, we watched the first Mortal Kombat, like what, like three months ago I, something like yeah. that yeah four months ago i still vividly remember it and we watched this like a month ago i think yeah and i can hardly remember it. i just remember lots of glass falling in cyrex <laughs> like walking yeah, through it all the glass and thinking this is this is cool i like this and then uh i remember i was like oh yeah sonya blade's much better in this one mm-hmm. and 
uh, and the bald guy who wasn't Vin Diesel or The Rock uh, being oh. laughably bad. <laughs> or, or, or Shao Kahn. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember other things. Like we, We're talking about stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that now. But I feel like <laughs> I, I probably should have refreshed myself on it. Now. Yeah. It's it's like it's like smoke. It just like slips through my fingers, through yeah, my brain. It's, it's the thing. The thing about it is like there's like there's no through line to anything almost. Yeah, and it's like everything yeah, is just is. like a clip show of different they're, fights. They're all going on their separate yeah. quests to you know Luke Kang's going to get the power of animality. animality. Yeah, that's right. I do remember the animality. <laughs> and and, and Sonya's going to pick up Jax. Yeah, and and I remember. Uh, I remember um, the cool flip fight where nobody actually hits each other. Yeah, uh, and the hot mom with like the Morticia Adams hair, <laughs> uh, Bride of Frankenstein, <laughs> yeah. more appropriately, or Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like twirling around the whole time. It's hilarious. Oh. But she was really committed to the twirling. Her face acting was great. That's why. I mean, that's why I remember yeah. that. She knows how to do that twirl, man. She mastered that twirl. I mean, that twirl is literally the most embarrassing part of the movie. But it is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> they could have done more of her because, like, her whole character stick is their hair. And they do that one moment where she whips Raiden. And then you see the hair receding back in her head. And it's kind of got, like, like snake characteristics. I'm like, well, that's cool. Yeah. But then she does Yeah. She does. I mean, she does do her two moves. Well, three moves, I guess. She does but a scream just... fireball. And she does a mega scream to... <laughs> destroy the lost city of Petra Jordan. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and then she does, yeah, a hair whip. It's she doesn't float, they though. Went to, they went to Jordan for that shot. Jesus. Um, so, like, oh, I read, yeah. like, in the show, in the movie's, like, promotional notes, they make such a fucking big deal. They said, this is the first film production that has gone to, to Petra Jordan, which is not true, because uh, Raiders of the Lost Dark filmed there, but they only no, filmed a, in a cave. For it like, wasn't Raiders. Yeah. It was, uh, I'm sorry. Last Crusade. Last, Last Crusade. Crusade. Either way, it's like they, they did an interior shot there. So I guess they filmed in the cave. So this might have been the first movie that actually had the exterior of that Lost City, which they just kind of went through the tombs portion. Where I yeah, guess no, it was in the Last Crusade. They had the exterior. They did? Okay, so. Yeah. Well, then the, the, then the press is. notes fucking straight up lie just to get you hyped. I mean, they say so many things that are hyped. They say... This movie has the first fight between a full CG character and a human. And what are you fuck you talking Ter- about? Terminator. I huh? Terminator Two. Wow, yeah, you oh, could argue that. Yeah, yeah, so they're fucking lying through their teeth. But uh, yeah, they Wait. they they. they hmm. Are they talking about? They're talking the about Matara. The... Yeah, who's not full CG because he has the actor kind of superimposed. Oh, I thought you meant the one, the the giant monster that almost kills uh, Sonya Blade. It, in if fight. that's what they're fucking referencing, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, even the first Mortal Kombat, the reptile was CG. Well, yeah, but he didn't fully fight a person. He had to turn human. Yeah, they did. It. He had to turn he human. Held them and you know. Oh yeah, I guess that's a fight. And, yeah. yeah, but they, like they they, they, they make such a big deal about the Jordan <laughs> thing too, which. Uh, from this movie on, it, uh, that movie has been uh, prestigiously featured in uh, *The Mummy Returns* and uh, *Transformers: The Revenge of the Fallen*. <laughs> Damn! I wonder what the oh man, what a what a sad state. Uh, also, when they filmed in that, uh, it was funny to remark that uh, it, they they made a big deal of it too. This was the first time that they had a Jordanian crew and an Israeli crew working together. Uh, on this I, movie. I can't believe they let Michael Bay near historical structures. I know, right? 
We know what he'll do to them. Blow them up. Well, I mean, they blow this up in this movie. But yeah, they had the first like time uh, Iranians and uh, I'm sorry, Israelis, Israelis and uh, Jordanian crew worked together, uh, which is kind of probably also partially due to a peace treaty that happened like three years ago. But uh, you could say mm. that Mortal Kombat Annihilation is bringing people together. Dear God, you, know, you the, could say that, Josh. Family. <laughs> you could say that. I'm not, but you could say that. It brought us together, didn't it? It did. It did. We we bonded over this great movie. It's yeah, it's epic movie. Elliot, what do you yeah. actually think of this movie? Um, I guess more or less, kind of what I what I said earlier is just like it started off, and it was this. It was very much a, this is so bad. It's taking it to like a very fun level. Yeah, and I was enjoying it. And for a second, I was like, I'm actually enjoying this more than the first one, mm-hmm. just by how absurd everything is. And there was something a little like creative and fun about some of the directing and some of the fight scenes too. Like I really like that Cyrax fight, but yeah. at a certain point, the wheels just kind of fell off. Yeah, and it just felt like you're just kind of watching characters just kind of like flop around for the like a, about half the movie. No idea what was happening. I didn't care what was happening. the The drama wasn't there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, so I think overall, I would say it's. I don't like this movie. You mean you weren't fully invested when Raiden gave up his immortality and then died uh, in the hands of Shao Kahn? Yeah, I was not. I forgot he died. <laughs> that's special because he gets brought back anyway. So. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of like my big thing about the movie is like it was very in the moment of watching it. It was like it was fun at first, and then it was getting like kind of like blah at a while and then it's only been like a month and i remember like so many things that i've seen since then but i don't remember this movie very well Damn, it's we need, kind of you know what we need to watch it again i guess we need to watch it <laughs> yeah again, let's watch it again oh uh, you seen watch the first like 30 minutes and like i was thinking of the same thing uh when i was reading up like about filming in jordan and about filming in the other locations i'm like <laughs> i really want to kind of analyze the film and, and try to recognize the setting so i really need to yeah yeah watch this again I'm. I'm just. You know, when we were watching it, I thought we were watching Annihilation, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> not watching that. There was no Annihilation going on. Hmm. Well, there was a movie called Annihilation. Is that really? Good. Oh, movie. you thought you were watching yeah. the uh, Natalie Portman <laughs> movie? Yeah. Yeah. I'm was... sorry. Like, yeah. When do they go through time and space? <laughs> they do go through uh, time and space. Yes. I do like that. It takes less than five minutes for the for Shao Kahn to say. Annihilate them. <laughs> That's true. This movie does not waste time. No, it does setting not. Things up. Like I it said, just is like here's where we're at. Have the opening fun. scene is immediate action, and it's followed by. Uh, it doesn't take maybe ten minutes for them to get to the next fight scene, and so forth. Like the first third yeah. of the movie is, I dare say, perfect. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> perfect. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, I think I think for me though, like when uh, right after the Cyrax fight, because I was sort of still mostly invested in where the film was going the first time I saw it in theaters back in the dang day, and then you know when it still goes to it, like when it yeah, goes like, when it, yeah when it yeah. goes to like the desert area, and then all of a sudden Sonya just gets in a not just a fight but like a full out girl mud fight with Malene, and I'm just like oh I see where this movie's going now. They just went like freaking like Summerfest MTV. Like, you know, with oh, this, yeah. like basically with this fight. And then afterwards, yeah. we get this giant CGI monster that comes out of nowhere. Jax clearly isn't punching it, but he punches it anyway. And then it goes away. And then we just don't talk about it anymore. Yeah, I love how you, 
Elliot was like, so we're not going to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, and, I, and at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start pouring double shots at this point for these films. Because like that was just... the exact moment when we watched someone else where I said, uh, theatrical release. There's this <laughs> awful CG monster descending into the ground. And then they uh, that shot, man. That shot when Jax and Sonya are running away from the building as it blows up, and that just expertly oh. crafted runaway in slow motion while something blows up behind you and you jump for no reason. Oh my god. That is my favorite shot in the whole movie. movie. You want to see shit That's like the most that. epic shot. They're jumping away from a wall of fire. How could you not be excited? Oh my god. <laughs> the, it will forever bug me that as of right now, it's Annihilation is the only movie that I've seen in theaters for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Haven't seen the first one, didn't get to see the third one, or the, the reboot in theater. Dude. Dude. I've only well, seen yeah. Annihilation. That's that's something. <laughs> oh my god. Terrible. Um, are we running out of things to talk about? I feel or, like, or like, I mean, I would like to say, like, I mean, do we want to talk about, like, our favorite parts of the movie? Our least favorite parts of the movie? The parts that make us go, like, oh god, why? <laughs> kind of thing. Hmm. Like, we can... Going in I can, direction, I, guess. I mean, I like. I can definitely go into just how much of a like episode of um, He-Man or Thundercats this entire movie is from back in the eighties. <laughs> like I said, like the League of Villains and everything. It's just you know, it's it's basically every single person that is not Shao Kahn and his ring of villains is basically Bebop and Rocksteady from the Ninja Turtles. They're just all bumbling idiots that they're gonna <laughs> do that. They're gonna do the evil bad thing, and the good guys have to do the good thing to stop the evil bad guys from doing the bad thing, and then there's like some kicks and shit you know kind of like going on for no reason and uh you know the fight seemed very inconsequential because they just moved from place to place to place like we have to go here we have to go here raiden dies comes back he's got a new crew cut and looks more 90s than he did you know with the white wig at the beginning of the movie and then there's like fights that happen because mom died but she came back and she's evil and stuff like that it just <laughs> There's actually a lot you could talk about with this movie, but again, it's mostly bad. I still, I still love when Baraka shows up for the first time because he has <laughs> this like this old man white red shirt, which is from the game. It is game accurate, but yeah, when you the, see it on the, film, the it just exact looks the game. Yeah, but it looks so freaking stupid because when you think about what type of uh, like what type of race Baraka is, and I guess their culture from the games that honestly they really hadn't expanded on at that point in time, but they expanded it now. It makes that outfit really fucking funny, like extremely funny. <laughs> like why would you use that? I just yeah. remember we we're watching it, and he comes out, and Elliot's like, "Who the hell's that?" Yeah, I was so confused. Weren't there two of them too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because he's 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 like reptile. He's a race of people. He's the nomads until they gave him a proper name. Like later, they're the Tukatans. But uh, he was actually supposed to be one of the main generals. Uh, which uh, when Neil and uh, that that video you did when you seen like revealed in the novelization, uh, which I think was in the script too. Uh, instead of Rain, the purple ninja, it was going to be Baraka. But I think they realized like. We can't fucking do any emotion with this fucking Halloween mask. <laughs> it looked so dumb. In the previous movie, too, instead of ninjas uh, for the minions, they were going to make him his race. They are going to do a bunch of Barakas, but once again, they couldn't fucking get it to not look cheesy. So uh, They should have leaned into it. Screw it. I guess. I, I, like, I like the generic you know, baggy mask ninjas in the first movie. No, no, I mean in this one. Oh yeah, course. yeah. Just leaned into it because Rain's fucking useless anyway. Dude, then, did he fight in this movie? He doesn't. I, he just does some Power Rangers pose 
Uh, and that's it. And, and, and he gets thrown into the pit twice, right? Yeah. And like I said, they only put him in because they couldn't get Baraka to work. So they just, okay, we'll put Rain in. <laughs> and then, of course, oh. like, and of course, I think we have to talk about some of the award-winning dialogue that is in this movie. You know, Shao, Shao Kahn coming up with, like, the Earth was created in seven days. So, too, will it be its so destruction. Too, too, too. <laughs> and then, of course, line, like, you know, um, Sindel has the, you know, my mother is still alive or whatever. And she's like, and you will be dead or something Dude, like I watched that. A, a reunion, a 20th anniversary thing where they showed up, like, in the theater. Uh, Robin Shu was there. Sandra Hess is there. The actress who played Sindel was there. Uh, Sub-Zero's actor Keith Cook was there. Forgive me for not remembering Sindel's name. And, like, the host uh, made the Sindel actress do that line. He's like, before, like, you go on, could, could you please say it? And she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, didn't, yeah, she, she, she already knew what it was when someone said, just say the line. she knows what it was, and she does it. And she did it pretty pretty accurately. You know, and her, her name is uh, Masetta Vander. Yeah. Who, uh, the only thing I know her from, uh, Elliot, you might be uh, amused to know she's one of the main sirens from uh oh brother or art thou oh sweet little baby she's actually the main one the one standing yeah yeah i remember that yeah that's funny she did that after this movie though yeah so it didn't kill her career i mean i i I, well i mean that was a small part i don't think she's she's been in a lot i don't think she's a big actor i will say my favorite scene my favorite uh, well, one of my favorite characters in the movie is Jax, just because he's just—he's uh, ridiculous, but he also kind of just says what everybody is thinking. It's like, it's like he doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, Sander has said in that same reunion that, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jax's actor, uh, uh, fucking, uh, Will, what's his name? Uh, Lynn Red Williams. Lynn, yeah, Red Williams. Uh, he wasn't present, but she said he basically just played himself. That's, that <laughs> seems accurate, because a lot of those lines just seem very improv. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he kind of feels like the straight man of the entire movie. Like, he's the guy explaining to the audience, like, how ridiculous this is. Yeah. and saying, He's, re- like, he's our replacement for things. Johnny Cage. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Pretty I, much, I'm su- yeah. I'm surprised no one, that, like, even though everybody loves the Sindel line and the Shao Kahn line, my, my favorite line is... And it still is, is when Liu Kang beats Baraka, he saves Katana, they're having like their little like chemistry moment, and here's Shiva coming in on nowhere saying dates over. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my god. <laughs> that's literally I your be, favorite line. I, th- th- that's my favorite line because I'm picturing the writer when he's writing the script, and this is how he phrases this. It's like, hey, Shiva's to come in and say and sh- and, like and say something clever. And she says dates over because we have like at that point in time it's it's hard for me not to think wow this writer really does think this is a cartoon because that is some like 1980s early 90s cartoon dialogue like big time and i loved it i just love it i love that line for how horrible it is (laughs) did this one get the r rating or was it still pg-13 oh no it's still pg-13 pg-13 yeah well just to ask you what what did you think might possibly give it an r rating (laughs) Honestly, I can't remember. I'm also like so desensitized to gore that if I see it, I don't really like, register. I mean, uh, it's like, oh, that's a very gross scene. Jade gets eaten, <laughs> but it's very bloodless. Yeah, uh, there's no blood at all. Yeah, 
It should have gotten already. Doesn't, doesn't the monster, monster burp at the end of it? Yeah, yeah it, it does. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. See, that, that scene disturbs me. Yeah, that scene disturbs a lot of people. But see, that that would that should have. I I feel like it should have gotten an R rating because he burped. I'm like, man, not only did he like, <laughs> eat her, but he like digested her too, and then gas no happened and all that stuff. So, yeah, truly offensive. Yeah, there was uh, actually it's probably even <laughs> less less uh, less shocking and violent than the first movie because we had a free shatter fatality in the first movie. Uh, when first dude gets his soul taken and you see his skin go pale, that was kind of creepy. Yeah, there's nothing comparable in this movie. Everyone just like blows up or has a dragon come out of them and screams. <laughs> yeah, most people, most people in this movie just kind of fall down dead. Yeah, it's like she kills Melina. Man, you should do fatality right now, but um, you know she didn't. She kills Airmat, no fatality. Oh no, she snaps his neck. Just like snaps his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Jax just punches Noob Saibot in a random cameo uh, out. No, yeah, no one gets and, and he knocks out Mataro. No one gets a proper fatality except the kiss of death and Cyrax. Johnny Cage gets his neck. Uh, just, it needs to be stated. Johnny Cage gets his neck fucking broken. <laughs> yeah, but not, but not only that, he he actually gets like a sort of like a post death like ritual because he's on this this plaque this claw whatever so the shark weird. thing and then he is raised up like he is like hey Christ is dead let him rise and let the world know that Christ <laughs> oh is dead or something. is that what it is Christ is just to, just to give it is a little bit and save it that? I mean admittedly I mean, as a fan of Johnny Cage that's how I took it I'm I mean like, it is oh, weird God. why is this the one character of their team that dies gets this giant fucking memorial what the fuck also who that? did that i don't know that shao Kahn? who did i that? don't know man yeah it like it doesn't uh, make sense outworld elliot that. probably doesn't remember all any of this i don't <laughs> <laughs> i'm the worst guest on this one <laughs> <laughs> to be honest uh, elliot it, like the fact that you remember as much as you do um shows that you were at least kind of paying attention at least you were having fun yeah. <laughs> i wonder if i have like trauma from this movie oh yeah maybe. you have annihilation ptsd we finally yeah. got to you you know you kind of had stockholm syndrome of one but now, now <laughs> i'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna one day show you one of those like you know cgi monsters from annihilation and like just to, just to see a reaction be like oh god what is this <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah do you do you remember the last fight where they tur- they have their elemental animalities and turn into like a dragon and like a three-headed what? I don't even know what the that animality. is. It's like a Orochi type thing. Oh yeah. yeah, with with Shao Kahn turning into the monster. His yeah. O face was his the O face. of O. Yeah, his O yeah. face. He was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's such it's such a dumb face. Like, God. it's I don't understand that that CG. Like even seeing it in theaters, I was just like, that is terrible. I mean, to be fair, it's like I guess where the discussion probably should go to is what the. F- what happened? What the fuck happened? Uh, and there's a whole video on that. I mean, there is a whole video on that, but like the CG isn't really worse than the first movie. The only problem is it's used more than the first movie. Yeah, yeah. they don't use they don't use any clever ways to hide it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the first movie we had reptile who looked like you know Gex, uh, and there were, there were the shots of Outworld zooming up to the tower. Like there was some bad CG in it, but it was minimal enough that it didn't distract from and the rest of the movie is great enough that didn't distract here they lean into it a little too much and also the movie isn't good enough to hold it up and it just feels like fucking straight to video fucking bullshit 
Yeah, um, I think if you removed a lot of like that CG, like the monster that just pops up out of nowhere and they just like punch it and it goes back into the ground, yeah, like the movie would not change a bit. Well, I mean, like, like there the, would... the special effects, I think, are probably the least of this movie's problems. But like I'm just saying, like they're so useless to the uh, service yeah. of the movie. Like if you took those scenes out, you wouldn't even notice they were missing. I if will you say it again. I am kind mm-hmm. of impressed by Mataro. Like which one was that? The 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 centaur. Oh okay. Like. Is wide shots, yeah, it's like CG, kind of crappy CG, but like, and he's the one that the press release is trying to make a big fucking deal about. Like, oh, the first time a CG character is fighting him. He was pretty well conceived. Like, they, they kept it in tight shots of his torso and all that, and quick wide shots of him running around. Yeah, because like in the um, in the scene where it's the gathering of villains or whatever, when he's in there, he's got his arms crossed, and you can tell just by looking at him that he's just a dude standing there that happens to have like you know a horse's body attached to his butt. Like that's just happened. That's just what he looks like. He just looks like a dude. So in a way, it's kind of lazy because that's like to me the laziest way to do a centaur like that. But that's just kind of what they did. But at least they obstructed enough to where. You know, you, you can't really tell if they film him. They usually show him from about, like, the stomach up. Yeah. And and that way you just kind of see his facial reactions. But I'm all, I'm fairly convinced by looking at him now with how his facial reactions are that that dude has got to be some type of wrestler. Like, I don't think he was ever oh, right. an American he's, gladiator. Yeah, he's an American gladiator. As okay, so I was right. So he, is, so he is kind of wrestler, a wrestler. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, he may have done wrestling. I didn't look him up extensively. But, yeah, he and uh, Lynn Rod Williams were both American gladiators, as we mentioned in the previous episode. So it's like, you know, their job is being muscly. Yeah. I will, I will say as far as CG, the one that... The one that seems passable is Shiva's arms, I guess. Yeah. Like, I remember... Oh, man. They're bad, I, but... I was expecting so much more from her. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, they, they had planned a big fight uh, between Raiden and Liu Kang versus her. And sh- you know how Liu Kang, when he's fighting Baraka, he picks up those, like, scimitar knives? She was yeah. going to do that. She was going to hold, like, a knife in each hand, and it was going to be a Ray Harryhausen-esque, like, fight, and they just, they mm. just fucking couldn't do it. Lame. So she that never gets sucks. a fight. That sucks because she she literally does nothing. Like she, yeah, runs un, she runs did. under a cage and gets smushed. Yeah, she had a cool little pose when she first showed up. <laughs> I mean, cool I guess pose. she just unfurled her she arms. Swung, she swung some arms around. She's the least cool pose of the cool poses because rain and air back, like, man. They that's the... like my main memory of this movie is just like the beginning with the character, the villains show up and they're all just like standing on their little pedestal things, <laughs> just twirling their arms poses. around. <laughs> it's like that's all. When I, when, Hers is pretty I, low rent because rain and air back, they got their pose game on. They're like, oh yeah, they're doing poses all day and night, man. Yeah, dude, just kind of flexes. Looking her up now, like she's like a legit stunt woman and martial artist. They didn't do any of that with her. Oh, that's disappointing. Anything. That's just that, so disappointing. That's terrible. I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, that they might have actually had like little ladybug costume arms on her to like stand in for when they did the CG. Because I see not. some set photos mm-hmm. where she still has all four arms. But it's like, huh. how how could have they done Shiva better? Should she have been a puppet like Goro was? Or would that been too weird? You know? I think, I think so. Gora was so monstrous, though. I it actually probably look weird. I actually have a theory about too. why they like why they killed Shiba off so quickly. Because like uh, when you think about like how it builds up to the third act, like I think it's pretty obvious that from the script they wanted to build up the third act to where at least everybody that makes it to the final part of the um, of the movie has someone to fight. Like Raiden's about to die, so obviously they do the whole camera thing where it's obvious about like okay. 
you know, Katana's going to fight her mom. Um, Jax is going to fight, you know, Montaro. Mr. Red is mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, Mr. Red is mine. Um, and then Sonya and Liu Kang obviously is going to fight Shao Kahn because Chosen One and all that. And then Sonya gets so to Sonya fight Ermac. Yeah, Sonya gets the leftovers. But they that was like their cast of characters. But if you think about it, if they if, if Shiva had survived, and then she would, and she of course would be in that final act, she either would have she would have had no one to fight, or you know she would have been referred to as leftovers by Sonya, which is well, kinda, I don't think she was going to survive anyway. But like you know, at least she was going to be given. I think in the Raiden Liu Kang versus Shiva fight, she was probably going to be defeated. At least we would have got a cool fight with her before. They you know. they should have kept her to fight Sonya at the end because then you'd have like forearm lady against like leg lady. That been cool. <laughs> I guess that would have made more sense <laughs> than leg lady versus. Yeah, but if yeah. He, like yeah, somebody but he, who can only punch and someone who can only kick. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. My kind of a fight. yeah, that's a good matchup. But yeah, also oh like God. like Ermac hadn't really done anything either in the movie up to that point, but he's kind of inconsequential. It's just like, oh, you're just a palette swap like Sub Zero and Scorpion. You're just red now for some reason, and yeah. you know, but it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. yeah. But I think it would have been way cooler. So, but I kind of agree with Elliot. It would have been way cooler to have Sonya. Um, fight Shiva versus Ermac because even if she would have said leftovers, which is kind of like just <laughs> shunning Shiva for no reason, I think it would have been a way cooler fight than say Ermac and Sonya. Yeah, that could have been cool. And yeah. I just, plus it would have been a nice little like callback to like the first movie with the Goro fight. Yeah, so many coulda woulda things in this movie. Yeah, and that's a big problem with it. <laughs> that's the kind of thing about this movie is that I think this movie is more fun to watch than to analyze i think yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah maybe it's Just... hard to it's hard to talk about as much like i feel like there's some bad movies that are like fascinating to talk about because like their production history is so strange too whereas this one it just seems like it's not even that it had that strange of a story behind it yeah. It's just they made a they made a bad movie they made a bad yeah. movie which pretty much amounts to just you know uh shooting their load off too quick like you know wanting to go through with it before they were ready for it and promoting everybody because like yeah john leonetti got promoted to director uh robin shu got promoted to choreographer while also having to fucking act uh the fucking choreographer from the previous movie uh which is a dude who i uh had kept mentioning that uh did the choreography for teenage mutant ninja turtles um what's his fucking name i got it up here uh Da, 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 Pat it's e. the John- brother of the director. No, Pat E. Johnson is the, the oh, stunt, cor- stunt coordinator for the first movie, who also did the stunts in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and he was in uh, Enter the Dragon as an actor. Like, he's an actual martial artist. Oh. He got fucking promoted to second unit director as fucking <laughs> movie. Hmm. And I, I guess it is worth pointing out some of the fights aren't. Necessary. I don't feel like the fights were necessarily like super clunky. No, like they, they were like they were a little more bombastic than the first movie. Yeah, a little more wire work. But uh, like I said, the, the, you you like the Cyrax fight so much. And yeah, it's great. I like the smoke fight, even though you don't remember that. Sadly, uh, I like the Sub Zero and Scorpion fight, even though that's pretty it, good. Although, like, it feels like it could have used more. And apparently, Keith Cook, uh, or I'm sorry. Yeah, Keith Cook, who plays Sub-Zero and who played Reptile in the previous movie, said that after watching it, the fight, he was like, they left out shit. Uh, I'm not really happy with their fight. Mm-hmm. 
This is actually funny. When uh, I, re- I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find it. But I remember when the movie was coming out that they were making such a fucking big deal about the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight. Like, Kastanov or someone else is like, this is going to be the fucking fight to remember. This is th- this is Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And then you're, it's going to be such a frenzied fight. They, they're going to... You can tell they want to kill each other. It's going to be awesome. And it's just like... It's, <laughs> it's not that. that. It was a fun fight, but you know, you're playing like, it up a little bit, dude. Like, Scorpion is basically a roadblock. There's no, like... There's barely any animosity between them that you can see. Yeah. Never and mind that that's they against don't, canon. Because Scorpion and Younger Sub-Zero don't have beef. But right. And, that. and then, like... It ends with, you know, Scorpion sort of... Just kidnapping, Yeah, just kidnapping Katana and... They don't resolve that fight. It's just, <sighs> yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't know. I'd like to know what exactly they did that Keith Cook was hoping would be in it. I'd like love to see would, raw footage of it. I would love to see that for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, the fights hidden here are like they're still enjoyable for me to watch. It's just like everything around a lot of those just kind of still like Robin Shoe apparently being given the mantle of choreographer here, uh, except for, like, the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight, for example. A big part of that yeah. was why that was disappointing. He wasn't being, he wasn't able to be there for it. Oh. He had to be in another shoot, so he's not, like, I mean, they have reaction shots of him in that scene, but he wasn't able to be there. So right. it's like, but all the fights there, choreographed by him, do any of them hold a candle to the Scorpions, Johnny Cage, or the Liu Kang reptile fight from the previous no. movie? I think not. I don't, yeah, no, those two fights are, like, just so memorable. The smoke fight, which Elliot doesn't remember, I feel almost comes, almost comes close. Nah, I don't think so. Rewatching it, I feel like it doesn't have a, it's missing something, it doesn't have as, uh, something fine-tuned about maybe the filming or whatever, but I feel like that's, that's one of my favorite fights. It's so kinetic, there's a lot of shit going on. I enjoy it it so much, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's still, it still doesn't do for me what those other two fights do. Yeah, I think the question is like, how do these fights hold up against the twenty twenty one movie? That's a good question. I'd say I, they I remember, better. I remember twenty twenty one a little better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's still pretty forgettable. But I remember, I do remember the Goro fight in twenty twenty one, and the yeah. final fight, and the beginning fight. I think the beginning uh, fight is one of the best fights in the franchise. Yeah. I, and I remember the Jackson Sub-Zero f- fight. That's well, four fights I remember. I've rewatched yeah. the Sub-Zero Scorpion fight for 2021 multiple times and like I've, I've warmed up to it. No pun intended. Um a little <laughs> better, but it's like they seem to be approaching it differently. Like they're almost like almost realistic if yeah. that's the word to use. Uh it's funny to note that like uh Robin Shu's philosophy for like movie fight choreography, uh, like they used, he, he he touted that Annihilation used what he calls the Mortal Kombat style, which is basically a combination of all like the martial arts styles they use because they use like you know capoeira and like a whole bunch of others I listed out, but I gotta scroll to it. But he had said before that even when they were filming uh, the first movie that he's like a movie fight. In a real fight, you're going to have people approach each other, do a couple blows, and they have to stand to catch their breath and, and face each other off. But that's boring in a movie, so let's just, you know, unrealistically just have them unrelentlessly going going at each other. And like that's what he called later in Annihilation, the Mortal Kombat style. And I'm but okay with it. Isn't that every fight in the movie? 
for Annihilation? No, any movie. I mean, yeah, arguably, but uh, some movies less so than others. Yeah, true, I guess. And I feel uh, 2021 had more realistic pacing to their yeah. fights versus yeah. the, just, just the Scorpion Johnny Cage fight where it's just unrelentless punching and kicks yeah. going all day. I, I feel like they're both products of their time. Uh, like, Mortal, at least Mortal Kombat 95 and Mortal Kombat 2021 are. Annihilation feels like it was not as, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like there are other movies that came out in, like, what, 90, 97? The keyword mm-hmm. you're looking for, Elliot, is mistake. Annihilation. Is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't feel like they were keeping up with, like, what was, like, the trends and or the styles and shooting at the time. Perhaps. It feels really clunky for its time. Yeah, I feel like it's it's just a more of a run of a one of the mill type of action movie than like something that was trying something different. I don't know. It it feels right in line with let's say Batman or Robin, which is what uh what Chris Casamasa, I believe, didn't get to replace Scorpion because he went on to do Batman or Robin instead and mm-hmm. I feel that movie those fights are dynamic as fuck. I can't remember. We only watched it once. Um <laughs> Are you, I actually are, think the, are you being I actually silly think Batman right Robin or? has a lot of creativity in the film. I, I love Batman and Robin. Like I'm, I'm a defender <laughs> of that. I'm a defender of the realm of that movie. Um, but uh, I don't I'm know not, if the fights. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if the I'm fights not, are that like, much better. Yeah, and I'm not. That movie is also a mistake. But that's just me. <laughs> I think I feel Batman and Robin is a more successful movie than Annihilation because it exactly knew what it wanted to be. I'm just I'm just looking at action movies that came out in '97. Spawn. Fifth Element. What Bond movie? Batman, Robin, Face Off. Ooh. Uh, oh, Face Alien, Off. Dude. Alien Resurrection. Mm, Starship right. Troopers. Dude. Oh, yes. Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't know. Uh, I barely remember that. Uh, the Lost World. Jurassic Park. Okay. Spawn did come out that year. Uh, Speed 2. Oof. Men in Black. Oh. Huh. Let's see. That's a pretty like... stacked year. I mean, yeah. I mean, some of those you mentioned are great. I mean, fucking Face Off, yeah. that wins King as far as choreography. It's fucking John Woo. Yeah. Uh, some good, there's some good choreography. Lost World had some great set pieces. Uh, Spawn. Yeah. I thought, I th- wait a minute. No, Spawn, <laughs> Spawn came out in 95, I thought. Not 95. No, 97. no, dude. Uh, it's 97. Supposedly, okay. Michael Chai White was supposed to be Jax too, but he, he decided to do Spawn. Which was the better decision? I don't know. Was it? <laughs> Which one? I think which one? I think Spawn was probably better for him to do because <sighs> he had a leading role. True, yeah, le- true. Oh, good. I mean, I mean, Jax is not the hero, but he is pretty forefront leading role. But yeah, yeah but I there's guess, like no, there's no like main character. Yeah, except no one fucking about. remembers Spawn. The, I mean, they remember the character, they don't remember that movie, except for but how they remember John Leguizamo, though. Yeah, of course. It's best fucking that casting choice in that goddamn movie. <laughs> Oh God! But yeah, yeah I don't know. bring it I back once like again. I... My favorite act, right? But yeah, exactly. But yeah, like okay, yeah. But Michael Jai White went on to do Black Dynamite, so I think he. Well, he did Black Dynamite. He got to be in The Dark Knight, and then yeah. he did get to be Jax yeah. very briefly in uh, the the Mortal Kombat Rebirth and Legacy. Uh, he both of those he got to be Jax. Yeah. So I think Spawn was the right move for him. Oh yeah. Annihilation I... seemed to annihilate people's careers. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> Here's the thing. It did. I don't feel. I don't feel it hurt James Lamar. 
because uh, he's still done shit, and he's never been like a A-list actor. He's just sort of your B-list thing. Uh, Talisa Soto, I think, also wasn't like heavily invested in becoming a star. She just did whatever. Uh, uh, Lynn Red Williams, he didn't seem interested in doing film either. Literally, I think the only person that really murdered was Robin Shu. Damn, he could have like been a bunch of people who didn't care about the movie. Yeah, I think most of the kind of like oh, whatever, and then Robin Shu cared about it too much. Yeah, he cared <laughs> about it to come back, and and I guess so did Talisa Soto. But it's like he was the one that had the most to lose because he could have been our next, you know, Asian Hollywood superstar. He could have been the next Jackie Chan or Jet Li, and he Wasn't almost was. A lot of the like. I mean, a lot of the, like, you know, Jet Li, Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen, all those people, they came from successful careers in, in Hong Kong and made it here. Whereas he, I mean, he he was in a lot of movies there, but if he made it here, he would have been like a, like an American action star, I guess. Yeah. So it's just, big bucks. Well, I guess, yeah, it's, it's a shame, man. That's a shame. That's that's the biggest tragedy because like I don't think it hurt any other actor because like Sandra Hess would go on to do this inspired her to do other action roles, but she did a lot of TV stuff. She was in Jag. She was in like Law and Order. She's in a bunch of shit, and she still does stuff. I think even currently, she's not like a superstar. Uh, trying to think. Oh, sorry. Hmm. I said that he would be an American star. He's he was born in Hong Kong. Uh, Robin Shu. He he wouldn't be quote unquote. Well, he'd be yeah. I get what you say. He, he'd yeah. be Jackie Chan, who's an American star, but it was Jackie Chan born in Hong Kong, right? Yeah. So, yeah, same thing. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just thinking, I think he's the only one that suffered greatly. Like, yeah. Everyone else who would have suffered got the fuck out. Christopher Lambert read the script is like, nah. Harold <laughs> uh, read the script and was like, the fuck? Yeah. Bridget Wilson, I don't know. Well, she went on to do. Uh, she her uh, the thing that was keeping her from doing this was uh, I know what you did last summer, and right. there's there's confliction of whether like they didn't ask her to come back or she just didn't want to come back because in that twentieth uh, anniversary thing they did at a theater with like the returning cast, Sandra Hess insinuated that they came to her because they were displeased with Bridget Wilson. I think I think Robin Shu said that. Oh, is it Robin Shu? Robin said that? Shu said something about like how she seemed like someone who actually wanted to do the action. Yeah, so it's like Bridget Wilson, I will hold, looks like Sonya Blade, but Sandra Hess definitely had the more physicality for the role. And you can tell by like watching her in her fight scenes, like she she definitely feels more into it like when she's getting into a fight pose or like she's actually fighting she looks like she's trying to put more things I mean, into it than Bridget she done that she does them kicks and that 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 did we, cyrex fight scene did yeah. we just go full circle to the beginning of the podcast where we talking about sandra <laughs> i believe so yes yeah. yes yes we did is she because... the mvp yeah, I would actually say Sandra Hess is the MVP. Yeah. Um, I think Sandra Hess is my favorite part. Really? Yeah, she was good. Yeah, and I, like I don't her. know. I, think I, she, I feel like in in a cheesy movie, in a cheesy movie, she seemed like one of the few actors. Like her and Robin Shue uh, seemed like they were committed to like not just being hammy in their roles. You I know? think Bridget Wilson was a better actress because Sandra Hess had a really awkward delivery in some parts, and part of that might have been a fault of the director. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to like gauge like 
yeah maybe quality of acting in movies with bad scripts yeah because like josh like uh, like i mean between the bad acting of shao khan sandel and uh like so many other bad actors i hazard to call them bad or not because like they do what they're supposed to do pretty well (laughs) i don't yeah i i think i feel like that it's like robin shu and sandra has at least feel like they're they're committed to trying to like give like an earnest performance mm-hmm. and not a hammy performance whereas yeah. like everyone else is just like eating it up you know and kind of being like real corny even james from everything uh yeah i would say he was a little corny i felt he was trying to play straight man to everyone's corny. he seemed like he was being corny i mean just the twirl fight scene well that wasn't him that was ray park <laughs> oh sorry i'm getting them mixed up uh, i mean no that was that was his character but he, it was a stunt actor yeah ray james from right. doesn't know how to fucking fight I don't know. I felt like he was still kind of jokey. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, Raiden's supposed to be jokey at this point. Uh, yeah. Uh, Christopher Lambert has set that precedent. Yeah. But he just made it more convincing. Yeah. Christopher Lambert. I mean, I didn't dislike James Amar. Just he doesn't he, he doesn't wear the long hair very well. I'm glad he got the quote unquote new look because he was wearing <laughs> that hair pretty often. I wonder if the, like I wonder if that was the intention or if they just saw him in the costume and they're like, no, we have to write a new look in this film at some point. Like we have to film some of it because continuity, but we have to have a reason for him to cut his hair. I think he hated wearing the wig. I mean, I would hate yeah. wearing that wig. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand that. <laughs> At least Christopher Lambert looked better in the wig. Not by much, no, he, mind you. He, he fucking he wore that. That worked well. Yeah. He, he owned that that look. I don't know if he did. But I, I think he did. Dark. I think he looked like... Uh, I don't know. That's an episode. James Ramar's wig looked a little too yeah, matted right. down. It looks fine when he ties it in the ponytail. That's another thing. Like A lot of the costumes in this movie are pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, they are. The ninjas look awful. Like the ninjas look awful. I think like <laughs> so Raiden's like, even like the the clothes from like the '95 movie that go straight into the new movie, like Raiden's like clothes or <laughs> Robin Shu's clothes. For some reason, it it they feels look fine. Like Robin Shu's literally they literally... look like Spencer's Halloween costumes. <laughs> <and> <laughs> like <laughs> Raiden's, I don't know about. He might have been wearing a low rent version, but Robin Shu, I think, literally is wearing the same fucking shirt. <laughs> Uh, Talisa Soto, I think, is wearing the same exact costume. She looks fine. Uh, and Sonya just wears fucking a tank top and shorts. It's fine. Uh, it's just the ninjas, man. Shao Kahn, and, his and, helmet's and too hot big. Mom. And Hot Mom, she wears that fucking nylon outfit. Looks pretty <laughs> Yeah, helpful. pretty much, yeah. I you know, know what? You know what? You know one thing we probably like could talk about that we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about the music of this movie because more. Why well, talk was... about it? There's not much to talk. It. Well, actually, no. I guess there is. Yeah, because like one thing that happens in this um, in this movie is that as a fight's going on, a song will play and then it'll stop and then it'll immediately cut into like another song, like immediately like and it's all still one fight. This happens this... in the Cyrex fight and the uh, and the Sub Zero fight. Sub Zero fight, it's really which kind of I incorrectly funny. said had the the Matrix Man. music in it, which Elliot said is not and i need to re-reconfirm but i'm pretty fucking sure it's the neo morpheus <laughs> you're wrong damn Put either way in. like god <laughs> yeah the, the score sucks the the soundtrack with the, the fucking techno music i don't music. remember the music which is why i think i'm gonna rename this movie mortal kombat mortal kombat amnesia, amnesia. <laughs> i'm so sad elliot that you cut out we didn't watch the full end credits because the full end credits has a couple of the songs from the soundtrack like the, they have a remstein song song which when i was a kid thought that it was shao khan singing um, <laughs> they have a couple other wow. great songs 
Yeah. I kind of want to see that now. I want to see Shao Kahn sing. I bet that would be hilarious. I don't, man. You would talk about just conquering I feel like he would just do like the Trillolo song. Yes, he would. Oh my god. And it would be it would be great. He just got that O face for it. Yeah, he needs to have a beer in his hand the entire time. You know what's also like about this movie that I'm just like I, it just annoys me is the sound effect. The sound design is awful. The lightning, like the lightning, just sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's got it's, it's got that shink like sound at the end of it. It just doesn't sound like lightning. It doesn't even sound like electricity. I don't know what it is, but it's just really bad. I don't know what the fuck. Like compare that to 2021, where I think we commented that like Raiden's thunder sounds sounded really. They had presence and reverberation to them. Yeah, it really did. Was like, it's like it's some weird just... screeching, like like yeah. something is being scratched on. It doesn't sound else. like any electricity I've ever encountered in my entire life. Yeah, it's so weird. And all like... the like you know the fireball effects and stuff like that. Just why does why does Shao Kahn's like fireball is just like a bunch of stars and shapes and stuff? I don't. I mean. Now you're talking about art design, I guess. I don't remember what it sounded like, but I mean, well, the sound, the sound was also just like very like low impact, Swing. like yeah, they just but, a lot I mean, of like. Wasn't it a skull? Hmm? Like it isn't like like a green skull or something. I don't remember seeing a green skull. I don't uh, like, like I can't remember it either. But like also, none of the sound, like none of the sounds, like for like the moves in the movie, like except for maybe like Sonya's like fireball. Everything else just kind of just. It's just bland, like, low quality. One thing that was surprisingly bland in the movie, like, at least compared to the first movie, that I always love about the first movie is, you know, the set design. And there's, like, hints of some interesting set design. Like, when we rewatched it, Shao Kahn's throne room, I think, legit still looks cool. Like, it actually is... You're you're dropping out, like, Uh, mad, but I could kind of tell you're praising the set design, and I'm about to to say, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm (laughs) praising... um, Hopefully my mic is not breaking up anymore, but um, I'm praising, like, one set, and that is Shao Kahn's throne room. I actually thought it looked good. Um, Actually, yeah, I was going to props to that. Uh, which I but, think that might be borrowed assets from the first movie. I'm just going to guess. But it, it was a decent throne room. Had a nice row of fire. Had the big chair, the, the Game of Thrones chair. <laughs> you know, it worked. I just remember the light being really distracting. Like, they clearly had, like, a spotlight behind it. Oh, I wouldn't notice that. That I guess you... It's like shafts of light. Hmm. That didn't distract me. What distracted me is, like, I don't get a good sense of geography of Shao Kahn's tower. It's just, like, throne room, dungeon... Council of Villains room, they all kind of, you know, look the same. Which, uh, yeah. which, which I think is all like one big, huge, massive set with just that three connected rooms. Like his entire castle is just a throne room, the little dungeon, and then the Council of Villains rooms, and that's like it. And it's all like one straight hallway, basically. I yeah. thought it was the same. I thought the Council room and the dungeon were the same thing. It might be. Yeah, it actually might be because I remember thinking, ah, this like this feels like the exact same room. <laughs> Um, I think so. her her like her cage kind of lowers in from above, right? Yeah, and and they reused it a lot because that you know the scene like where Jade gets eaten by the monster is that same room, and the and the council of villains are in that same room because uh, people get thrown into that little pit. Like that's what Shao Kahn does on the weekends; he just throws people into that one pit. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. the the throne room is supposed to be where Katana's hanging because that's where Liu Kang sneaks in the secret entrance, and I think you see 
the throne sitting in the background. And that's where he gets yeah. chastised by Daddy in front of Katana, which is so humiliating. Where he acts to act tough in front of Katana, but he just got done being chewed out by his dad. <laughs> oh, daddy issues uh, in this movie. Daddy issues. Oh, yeah, the there's daddy issues everywhere. Like, Katana has issues with daddy. Shao Kahn has issues with daddy. I mean, shit. It's well, she doesn't have issues with daddy. She has issues with foster daddy. Yeah, well, still, daddy. Like, get like daddy yeah. is daddy. <laughs> Um, and technically, everybody is like, you know, the son of Raiden because Raiden's adds like a father figure and they have issues with him. So I like the family. Uh, I like the family theme in this movie uh, long before Fast and Furious came about. It's actually, Elliot, you mentioned like the, the MK1 was uh, an unexpectedly wholesome movie. I feel the same about this where they really latch on to the found family theme. You know, they are my family. It wasn't like a crass or like a mean spirited movie. It still had kind of like a oh no, absolutely clean, yeah. wholesome vibe. To I it. think that's this one saving grace. It it it, it isn't crass or mean spirited. It still has a good heart. My brother died a long time ago. His heart, anyway. Try to keep that pure heart. <laughs> I often wonder though, like at the end of the movie, after the world gets magically restored and the Eiffel Tower and the San Francisco Bridge that are, like, in one shot that just magically are there because apparently that's the world. The world is just, like, the Eiffel Tower in San Francisco. That's apparently all the yeah. world. Um, once they go back to normal, they're just walking away from that same place that the movie began at, and I'm just like, where are you guys going now? Like, are you going to, like, hang out at, like, a pub or something? Are you going to go, like, I mean, Jackson Sonia probably hop a plane back to L.A. Uh, Luke Daniels stay. John, he's dead. Yeah, no is he gonna take him. his body anywhere? Yeah, what? I was about to say I mean, like that. Like, I don't know. Is it still there? Note. Yeah, he probably it, is still there. His, his, his body is just probably rotting there at that temple that they had yes. to leave. <laughs> well, I guess they'll, they'll bury him and build a build a temple to him. Yeah, Sean. God. Yeah, Sonya's gonna have God. to like you know like build a temple to him and like she'll go and stop by yeah. every day, especially during rainy days, and she'll be all That'd movie be about it. <laughs> I'd like to see it like a. a not a romance movie because the half of the romantic pair is dead, but like this pining drama about Sonya Blade just missing Johnny Cage and just coming to Thailand every year to, to mourn at his giant outworld tomb that got erected. <laughs> Which makes Maybe. no sense because they, it's not like they were super close by the end of the first movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it implied definitely that they were. I mean, it was a little bit forced, but like at the last shot of the first movie, you see them walking hand in hand and laughing. And, you know, all of Johnny Cage's, you know, suaveness kind of worn out and they, and they established a bond. And I guess there might have been more that was supposed to be in the script of the first movie that they just assumed Maybe. would carry over into the second movie that, yeah, Sonya would be stricken at Johnny dying. I mean, everyone's stricken at Johnny dying. Even even Liu Kang is like, oh, God. Nobody mentions it except for Sonya by the end of it. Sonya mentions it, but I mean, like, there's the shot right when his neck breaks. Liu Kang zooms up on his face. It's like, fuck! And Raiden, how could you let this happen? And But yeah, you're right. End of the movie, the world's saved, and they walk off happy hand in hand, and no one one fucking stops to pour one out for Johnny. Yeah, because of the... Yeah, because at the end of the movie, apparently we just don't care about Johnny. Like Sonya's forgot he was in it. By yes. the end of the movie, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, like you're forgiven for that. I think a lot of people did because they kill him off so damn quick. <laughs> so yeah, so so, uh, and it wasn't the same actor, and it's such a, no. uh, it's such an awkward death scene too. Uh, wait, how's the death scene awkward? I thought it was played off okay, almost masterful. Just, <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know about I don't know about the, the neck breaking was very. 
very wincing and it was just it felt very cheesy to me i mean the whole intro feels like something a fourth grader would come up with but yeah in its own context i thought the johnny cage death was like fuck you know i know it worked for me i was just mad that like two movies right two movies and we didn't get one off we didn't get one authentic you know johnny cage shadow kick we got like we got the ball breaker i was happy with <laughs> Sorry, that but Jay. we but we didn't get a fireball and we didn't get like a proper shadow kick he's he, he's doing luke king's flying kick that's what he's doing i mean arguably a flying shadow kick is cooler than a standing shadow kick I disagree with you. I need, I need that. I need that moonwalk slide on the ground. That's just my. Well, you got it. <laughs> you got it in Battle for the Realms. He does it in that one shot in the trailer. So. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, yeah, but I want to see it like live action. Like, it, mm. if they make a, if a sequel to the 2020 movie happens, and Johnny Cage obviously will be in it because he's he's teased at the end of it. I demand a proper shadow kick. I want. They probably will. I want, I, and I don't want this like. Like random, you know, uh, I guess shadow effect that isn't green. No, I want the green shadow effect behind it. It's got to be green. Well, remember, Jay, in the original game, the shadow effect was gray. Yes, it was. And then they made it better. I want the better version. (laughs) (laughs) What a movie. What a movie. It's weird because, like... What a disappointment. I, I enjoy watching the movie every time I see it. It's just... I guess when you have to, like, dissect it, it kind of... My only change for this viewing, because uh, this is a movie that if I watch, I will accident, you know, accidentally the whole movie, as they say. Yeah. Like if I just want to watch a part of it. Uh, yeah. The only thing that changed now watching of Elliot is I will have to admit that yeah, it kind of falls off, and the the last third, like the, there's nothing exciting about the third fight. Like at what that, point? Uh, I, there is something exciting about the third fight, and that's when the Elder Gods come out. <laughs> You know the fate of the the fate of the world is to fight it in one way, <laughs> baritone in mortal come, and then they fucking do the song. But then, as you've seen, and another friend of ours pointed out, the song peters out halfway, like two seconds in. Uh, they do what, that so much. Uh, they do that so much. At what point? I would say somewhere, basically after the after the fucking uh, the smoke or the Cyrax fight. Like when when Sonya and Jax are wandering around and the Melina comes yeah. out, that's like halfway through the movie though. Maybe when they meet up because it's kind of exciting to see all the people on horseback and all that. But it's like once they, that's the point. Once they go to Outworld, once I think they go once to Outworld, Raiden comes back. Yeah, yeah, that's where it's like I don't give a shit anymore because like it had yeah. a wham bang really good first. Yeah, at that point it was just like the enjoyment that I was getting from the movie was just like what can I laugh at? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. And there's quite a bit to laugh at in that second, or the last half. Or There is, but it was also, like, it was kind of boring. It was boring. It was. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. It gets a little boring afterwards. It's it's like, especially again, in the third just, act. Yeah, but that, that's the biggest problem in the movie, is the third act. Which, I guess, it just goes to show, it's like, what the, what the fuck happened? Mm-hmm. And, because, like, aesthetically, it has a lot of carryover from the first movie. It has a lot of the fucking same production crew and all that, but... They lacked certain integral pieces to the puzzle, i.e., you know, not to say uh, Leonetti wasn't enthusiastic, but you lose your your Paul Anderson. Um, so if you guys could pick, you're, you're a big shot Hollywood producer, and you could pick any director, uh, we'll say any director in the 90s, who could have been picked to make Mortal Kombat Annihilation, who would you have picked? 
with no restrictions. I think, uh, and I, and I will and I will speak on behalf of everyone with pride and say John motherfucking Wu. I think John motherfucking Wu would actually Damn, be the right. person to do it in the nineties, just because Face Off came out that same year. That man was in his prime in terms of nineties action greatness. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking that John Woo would be the uh, like would basically be the dude to do it as far as a director. I mean, as a he producer, might have not have the know-how as far as like martial arts choreography specifically, but that motherfucker knows action. I mean, yeah, and, so. and, and like and as a producer, I mean, I I have no idea. I can't recall like any super good producers in the '90s that I can know, but that I can just recall by name. Oh, I don't know producers Ooh. worth shit. Yeah, I, I don't keep track of producers. Mm. Uh, I would go with well, you seen you you next. I would say Steve Wang, who did uh, oh, uh, oh, Guyver, Guyver? Guyver 2, yeah. Yeah, that dude, that's good. a good pick. Yeah, that's a that's good, good pick, pick, too. That's, uh, that's, that's a better is... pick than John Woo. Like, if you, get, Actually, if you get Steve Wang as director and then Koichi Sakamoto as the action choreographer. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely going to get the She's got the top pick here. It's not the most, like, uh, you know, obvious pick. It's it's the, the slightly underground pick. Mm-hmm. But it's a pick that well, would probably think, give the best fights. I think since the first one was directed by Paul W. S. Anderson, <laughs> the sequel should have been directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Paul T- uh, which one is he again? Remind uh, me. There will be blood. There will be blood. Yeah, yeah. Dude. But he also made a good martial arts movie called Punch Drunk Love. A lot of I'm pretty sure punching. that wasn't a martial arts movie. <laughs> <laughs> Josh just killed himself. (laughs) (laughs) However, I think it would be very interesting to see a Mortal Kombat movie directed by. (laughs) Mm. My serious answer, though, my serious answer would be uh, Sam Raimi. Oh, Mm. dude. Yeah. Dude, that would be kinetic. That'd be great. Just like the camera is attached to like every fist as it like flies across the screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, I think I think I want that to be the next Mortal Kombat movie. Like as the subtitle to it, Mortal Kombat Punch Drunk Love. Like that to me. That, so that, that sounds the, like a great uh, movie. That'd be the Johnny Cage Sonya Blaybeck story, <laughs> yeah. where they fall in love. Yeah, and basically it just involves like you know. Katana, Liu Kang, uh, Sonya, Johnny Cage, and I guess another couple. We could just pick oh yeah, just one. do all go the on. do all the romances, do all the shipping. yeah yeah, do all the romance, and they're all just going on like a like a like a triple or quadruple date, and then they and then just fights happen as a result of it. Like people trying to stop their date. <laughs> <laughs> like Shao Kahn's like, you will not go to the movies together. You will not go to the fair. You will not eat that dinner. No, I will conquer all of Earth. And then he just sends all of the men to break up the dates. Like that's that's what the movie's about. That I'd sounds watch, like a delightful movie, Jay. I would watch if it. If it was anime, that. that'd be that'd be yeah, instantly marketable. Josh, who would you pick? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I was going to pick John Woo, but okay. until you picked uh, uh, Steve Wang, um, that's I have to change my vote to him. <laughs> um, if I had to pick someone outside that in the realm of 1997, I honestly can't figure. I, I would say the Wachowskis. But no, Steve Wang. Hmm. Actually, someone else, someone else who I think would do a, at least a solid job is um, and I keep forgetting his name. It's the guy who directed Speed and Twister. That guy. Oh, fucking John DeBont. I was gonna mention him. Yeah, he stole yeah, from I me. Think, yeah, th- dude, that dude. I think he would have done it. Like it would have been fun. It pro- it's not gonna be like to the epic levels of John Woo or Steve Wang, but it would be a solid pick. Dude, Twister is the greatest movie in the creation of humankind. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> John Devant would it's 
Mortal Kombat's the greatest story ever told. Twister is the greatest movie ever made in the history of humankind. Hey, what's so, Gigan? The greatest work of fiction ever wrought by the hands of man. Okay. So I get confused. Different, I, yeah, I always yeah, get your your. There's uh, different. There's title. different quantifiers here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Twister should be nominated for best picture every single year in the Academy Awards. <laughs> and then it should uh, win. <laughs> I think so, that should yeah. be Speed. No. We watched them back to back. Speed was admittedly a little bit more fun, but there's magic in Twister. Speed I like the soundtrack to Twister. I like the sound. I like the soundtrack to Twister better. Yeah, how could you not? Fucking John Bon Jovi. Yeah. <laughs> And Ben Halen. So, so to wrap up this episode, uh, any last word? Anything you guys want to say about the movie before we wrap it up? It sucks, <laughs> Elliot. To the point. Yeah. If I yeah for Annihilation, if you if you if you if you were think if you were thinking about quitting rehab and then you watch Annihilation, then you're gonna go back and rehab. You're gonna relapse for hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna relapse. That's how. That's how. That's how this movie is to me. It's fun, but I need liquor. I need liquor for this film. Yeah, just watch Annihilation. Don't watch Mortal Kombat. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know I'll say that. Yeah, Annihilation is a pretty great movie. Uh, or watch the first Mortal Kombat again, or the new one. Oh, did you? Oh, wait, the 2021 or, one? Or, I don't know, read a book. Read a book. Oh. Well, read, read, the, your, read the novelization of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I don't know about yeah. that. You might want to just read a, a, a book. <laughs> you know, a just read any book. Read any book. It'll be a much better time. Read Dr. Just, Seuss. Like, you'll have a better time than the Niles. Just go yeah, outside. Yeah, probably. Really? Yeah, or go yeah. Do, yeah, yeah quit yeah. fucking sitting in your dungeon and watching movies. Like, go go yeah. get the go sun. Outs- go outside and birds. practice your flying kicks and your bicycle kicks and throwing scorpion spear at people. That's going to yeah. be way more eventful. Practice your you. rope dart techniques. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, though, like, I, I don't know. This is one of those movies that works purely on nostalgia. If you have nostalgia for the movie, I think you'll enjoy mm. it. But anybody watching it, Without those that kind of context, it doesn't work. I'm debating on whether that's an accurate statement. Elliot commented that the previous movie succeeded for him on a rewatch for its peak '90s nostalgia feel. This one, yeah, it's ascended past '90s nostalgia. But I mean, nostalgia, just, nostalgia is what carries this movie. Like I don't know the, if it is the original movie. The original movie like has legitimate good parts of it that hold up on its own it does but like as elliot said it's peak 90s i can't consider this movie peak 90s or even like i don't i'm not saying it's peak 90s 90s. i'm not saying just feel 90s i feel if you if you could have appreciation for a batshit stupid fourth grader written movie (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is the movie for you i think this is more enjoyable as like if you look at it as like a sci-fi channel original yeah you know yeah that's a good analogy it's, it's got that kind of a vibe to it, at least for me. So it's like, while we were watching it, I didn't have like a nostalgic feel for it, but I was like, oh yeah, this is a bad, like, kind of feels like a direct-to-video or like made-for-TV movie, corny experience, and it's enjoyable on that level. Mm-hmm. But like, it's hard to find like other things about it that are like particularly like redeemable. I think, <laughs> like, I think... whereas the first one was pretty redeemable. Mm-hmm. Well, I, maybe I said Even it wrong. I... maybe I said it wrong. I mean, like, if you have. Like for me, I have like rather fond memories watching it back in the day, even if it was bad. Like I, I still enjoyed it. So then when I watch it now, mm-hmm. it's like personal nostalgia, not like nostalgia for the era. I gotcha. 
Yeah. And maybe that's the same for me. I didn't watch it in theaters, but I did see it pretty much immediately when it came out in video. I still and love like, this movie. It's it's not enough has been movie. said during this episode about how great this movie was supposed to be. But you know, that's that everyone knows that. It was supposed to be the big sequel. Yeah. It's just they didn't get all the creative you know, same creative uh, team behind it. And what creative team they had left probably weren't up to the job. And they just, like, yeah, bit off more they can chew. Like, boy, had this been, like, the Terminator 2 to Terminator 1, which actually you could argue whether Terminator 2 is a better movie than Terminator 1. And that might not be the best comparison. But I don't know, dude. They're different (laughs) movies. Terminator 1 is a dark sci-fi movie. Terminator 2 is, like, the perfect big movie sequel. That has like a lot Alien of heart. It's it. like Alien to Aliens kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they're closer together. Like Alien is a horror. Movie. Alien and Aliens, an yeah, movie. is a little more separate. And I feel Alien is way more of a better movie than Aliens. Uh, as a kid, I thought Aliens is better because of my action. But uh, rewatching them lately, yeah, Aliens totally. Aliens is fucking stupid. I mean, it's a what? good movie, but it's fucking stupid. <laughs> um, but so blunt. So blunt. It's fucking stupid. I'm just going to say it. It's a good movie. Mortal Kombat. Game over, man. No, that's not what's stupid about it. It's just like I could could do a whole podcast about how fucking Aliens is a stupid sequel. But Mortal Kombat Annihilation could have been the French connection to (laughs) to Mortal Kombat. It, it, It could have been the Empire Strikes Back. Dude, I don't know so what drug, I don't know what drugs you're on, but I want some if you're thinking well, that highly. That's the drugs the producers are on because that's what they that's thought true. it was going to be. Yeah, I can, I can respect that. And it ended up being a sci-fi original movie instead. <laughs> Even though it had fucking nearly like one third extra the budget of the fucking first movie. <laughs> so many characters. Uh, yeah, this what what did I say? Like had twenty characters. Oh my god! In this movie, and they're like nearly yeah. all walk on. Yeah, but like Ellie, don't really, fucking remember smoke. They really, they really. Should I didn't remember small. Like I said, memorable fight of the movie for me, so I remembered smoke. Damn, I'm trying to remember it, and I'm just like, I yeah, can't nothing. believe you don't remember that. Yeah, you know, when you're thinking about Katana's rain things, like, well, I mean, yeah, they're whatever. I, I liked Ermac because he at least had a line. You know, yeah, the energies like, you wasted, your sniveling, you know. Yeah, and well, also he was ass kissing Shao Kahn the entire time. Yeah, don't forget Noob Saiba. <laughs> God, that another. Mm. I liked when we watched it with Derek, and that when Noob Saiba materialized, I said under my breath, "Noob Saiba," and like Derek was like, "Was that the movie, or did you just say that?" <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right, so I guess that was our review for... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking shitty, actually wonderful movie. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, but it's bad. Yeah, it's it's fun, but don't it's watch bad. it. But watch it if you want to have fun. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, Elliot, we got to line up some, some some more Mortal Kombat. You know, you've seen the 2021. You're iffy on that. You love 95. You, you've suffered through this. We need, to, we need to get up our asses and show you... I guess we have to watch full shows now. Show you Conquest. Conquest, yeah. does, I'm done to watch Conquest. Does Elliot want to commit to watching a full show, though? How many episodes is Conquest? It's like 22 episodes. Mm, and they're an hour-long episodes, I think. Are they? I think I think I remember them being like longer than 30 minutes. 
I don't know. We'll have to like we'll have to like set aside like some afternoons to watch a few episodes at a time. Yeah, maybe we ought to just do like an epic like a uh, week couple weeks long thing because we have other stuff we want to watch together. We still have to watch uh, your next movie in our lineup for our oh, right, personal right. movies. And uh and like we're not going to want to like talk episode by episode, but we would like to at least have you seen the whole series before we talk about it. If it's, you still want to do it, that's just a, if you yeah. still want to do it, it's fairly fresh in me and you seen in Jay's minds that if you wanted to watch a few key episodes, you know, yeah. we could do that. Well, we'll see. That'd be fun. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I watched the stuff, like the clips from it and everything. Oh, you did? Fun, yeah. So, yeah. Does it look pretty good? Does it look enticing to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you, uh, where can people find you online? Um, on the dark web. <laughs> 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 um you can find me uh instagram uh posthumous which is spelled uh p-o-s-t-h-u-m-o-u-s-e like posthumous but with an e at the end mm. i post my doodles there doodles and they are beautiful doodles thank you thank you for joining us uh yeah and josh uh take us out oh shit yeah once again <laughs> Uh, well, um, to, to paraphrase Nightwolf, we didn't talk about in this podcast, uh, we can do this the, the, the slow way or the fast way. This is where you say, we don't have time for the slow way. <laughs> and then what? I'm just going to say, sweet dreams, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Combat Time Pod. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash combat time podcast. You can also email us at combattimepodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions you'd like us to answer on the show. See you next time. Mortal Kombat continues. Get over here!